Welcome to Made For More Leadership Podcast. I am Aaron Burke, your host, and I'm so pumped that you're with us. I hope that you have subscribed, liked, shared this. I'm hearing reports every single month about how this podcast is helping people, helping their teams become made for more for all that God has for them and their lives. Um, Today, I have an incredible guest with us today, Pastor Mike Santiago. He is one of the best leaders I know, uh, one of the closest friends in my life. A great guy. Mike, I'm glad you're here. We're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. So people know who you are. Yeah. Give us a little bit of brief history. Kind of give us your story. Sure. Honored to be on the Made for More Thank podcast. You. Thank you. Uh, shout out to my mom who's probably watching or listening. Yeah. And, well, my uh, mom is the number one fan of the show. Absolutely. She man. likes everyone. She's rated and reviewed and absolutely. subscribed. So um, my name is Mike. My wife and I, we moved to Raleigh, North Carolina from Florida. Um, about nine and a half years ago to plant Focus Church. Uh, we kind of moved there with just a dream in our hearts and two nickels in our pocket. Yeah. And God has been so good to us since then. We've uh, we've gone multi-site and we're just trying to be like you. And no, uh, I'm just trying case. to be be like Aaron Burke and like Radiant Church and like yeah, all that God right. has done here. So God has been really good. We're, we're in two locations and just uh, living the dream there in Raleigh. All right. What I love about your story is, y'all, it, it looks easy from Instagram, right. but the reality of behind the scenes, it's taken a lot of hard work. Sure. You've gone through some really crazy moments. Yeah. So give us kind of a rundown of some of your locations because yeah. you have been in some of the craziest locations yeah. as a church. Yeah. Like some of these people are listening to this thinking, church, you're in a cathedral. Right, right. That's not where you've planted the church. No, we grinded it out much like a lot of businesses start in garages or, you know, in their mom's basement. (laughs) We started in our townhome. There was about seven people at a Bible study that we hosted on Sunday nights at our house. From there, we went to the Holiday Inn Express. They had a conference room that was a little bigger than our townhome. And then from there, we went to an elementary school. It was terrible. The toilets were small. It was really bad. We started. Nobody thinks officially. about that when you start a church no, no, in an no, elementary no, school. No, no, no. But everything is micro size. Like the chairs <laughs> are small, the toilets are small. And so I remember like seeing guys go into the bathroom and thinking to myself, he's not gonna have a good experience no, in there no, at all. No. So uh, from the elementary school, we went to a community center. It was really yeah. nice, iconic, but smaller. We went to three services there. So we were churning out the the services. It felt like herding cattle sometimes on Sunday mornings. Remember, we set up. Three services tore down, and so that was Long really day. intense intense times for the church, but God really moved there. And then from there, we went to a high school. The high school evicted us with only two Sundays' notice. Crazy. And so we had to tell the church that we were moving with only 14 days' notice, and those times were really fun because that really pushed us into like panic mode. We were um, really, really wondering, okay, are we going to be able to survive this crazy eviction? We went from there to a... <laughs> We went from there to a park for one Sunday, from a park to a country club, and we met in a little country club, and it only took three weeks for them to evict us. Oh, from yeah. There. They had no clue what they, they were They had no idea. No. So there's some ladies eating brunch next door, and <laughs> our subwoofers are causing their, you know, their dishes to shake. Right. They're mimosas. Yes, just, yes, yeah. exactly. As their husbands are turning uh, on the 18th green, here we are worshiping the Lord right. with gladness, and subwoofers are kicking. So... Uh, that didn't last long. And then we ended up at a friend of mine's church. He let us borrow it on Saturday nights, which if you know anything about kind of starting a church, it's just tough to do it only right. on Saturday nights. Right. And so we had no other option but to go on Saturday nights. And then from there, we were uh, we were presented with the opportunity to merge, to acquire an existing established church that was kind of in need of an infusion of life and a transition. And that's where we really saw things transform. It was about 18 miles away. 
And so we acquired 60 acres of land, 70,000 square feet. So imagine going from a, <laughs> a, a, like a country club where you could right. barely fit in there and people were mad at you to now having basically like a compound from Waco, Texas type thing. You know, it's like <laughs> craziness. And uh, we merged the two churches, a lot of challenge there, a lot yeah. of change and a lot of leadership growth, a lot of change management. For anyone who's ever been through like a merger or an acquisition, I learned a ton yeah. in, those, in, the, in that season. And then since then, we actually launched a campus back where we started the church at, which is a town called Apex. I love interviewing pastors because people think, okay, you preach on Sunday. Like, right. That's you your work job. 35 minutes a week. Right. Yeah. Right. That's right. not the case. I mean, there's some, some major leadership lessons they have to offer that they've you know, they've learned through sure. craziness in this uh, church world. Okay, so we're going to get into some of those in just a second. A yeah. little bit about your your family, how long you've been married. Yeah, we've been married for 14 years. Okay. So we got married when we were 19. 19 years <laughs> yeah. old. I can't yeah. imagine a 19-year-old getting married. And then kids, how many kids you got? We became parents very shortly thereafter. We have three kids, and uh, we had all three of our kids before we were 23. So I have a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 9-year-old. That is crazy. All right, let yeah. me ask you a couple questions. All right, a uh, favorite Netflix show? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, it was The Office until yeah, they, they just, just took, took it off. off. Yeah, so we will uh, you get Peacock? Uh, no, I won't get Peacock. I no. already, I already like you know take logins from all the friends that right, have all right, that. So right. maybe I'll find a login, but I won't pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it was The Office anything? It now? was The Office. Um, you know, Making a Murderer was pretty good. I've heard it's uh, good. True crime stuff I've like heard that. It's really uh, th- good. Those, th- those are good shows. Uh, I'm more of like a sports guy or a yeah. YouTube culture. I'm really into YouTube. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's good because we're on YouTube right now. Yeah, that's Give right. Us some likes. That's right. right subscribe, like and right. subscribe. <laughs> Do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, best book other than the Bible. Um, there's one called Blue Ocean Strategy that I Ooh. love so much. Okay. Um, I heard about this from another pastor, and it just it changed the way that I thought about uh, market competition. It's not a Christian book. Okay. It's a business book, and it's all about creating a new market. Instead of trying to compete with other sharks, Brilliant. you create your own blue ocean. So you're not all going for the same bait, which creates a red ocean. It's a really great book. Getting on a shelf on your, of your own. That's brilliant. Yes. Very yes. smart. It's Love very it. Good. All right. Uh, favorite cereal? Um, probably Cinnamon Toast Crunch. But I'm I the same. Had, I haven't had cereal Dude, in a I haven't long had it time. A, I know. I haven't had cereal. I know it doesn't look like it, but I haven't had cereal Dude, in a I long time. Dude, I could destroy some cereal. Okay. Um, if you could, here's one last question, and then we'll get right into the topic. If you could eliminate off the planet Earth one fast food restaurant, like nobody ever has to eat there again, which one would you eliminate? Mm, that's a great question. Probably like um, Crystal? Crystals? We're not friends anymore, bro. You like Crystal? I love Crystal. Oh, I love it. I feel like it's just like leftover fast food from all the good places. <laughs> I think uh, it's so I haven't, I've never, I haven't been there in years, but yeah, yeah, Crystal sounds like something I would get rid of. Well, okay, I'll, we'll be friends. I'll even put that on the that. list. All right, we're going to talk about a subject, um, a quality of a leader that is probably the most important quality a leader has to work on, whether you're the manager of a bank, pastor of a church, uh, parent right. in your home. Yeah. What is this quality? The quality is trust. It's intangible, but it's invaluable as well. So you can't see it. You can't buy it. You can't build it. Uh, yep. But you have to obtain it, and it's from within trust, the trust, trust. of a leader. Okay, yeah. so how do we gain trust? Yeah, I mean, I think trust is um, something that you, first of all, have to give before right. it's given to you. So right. as an employer or as a leader, I have to start by saying, I trust you. Right. And if I start with trust, a lot of times that trust is reciprocated and comes back. Okay. Uh, it's important for a leader to begin to start with trust. You know, hey, until the trust is broken, I'm going to trust you first. Which is kind of opposite of how we normally think. It's like, hey, you're, you're going to have to earn Prove it in my yourself, life. Prove yourself, right? right. We want, but the, 
when people find a trustworthy environment, right. they actually elevate their level of, of work and level of giving yes. and level of uh, capacity because they feel like they're being entrusted to do something. That's huge. Yeah. Okay. So how do we raise our level of trust? Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. Like our, how... our, our, our best way to gain trust is to go through things that require us to um, be tested. Be tested. Yeah. So the way that I would put it is like, in order for me to be trusted, I have to first be tested. It's very good because nobody wants to go to a leader that hasn't been tested before. Right. So the, the experience I gain from being tested actually uh, allows me to be trusted at a higher level. So the more tested I am, the more trusted I can become. Okay. Now, nobody wants to sign up for for a test like no. how, how do we learn this lesson of, yeah. of being tested well the way that i i like to word it is like um in, in the 1950s they were trying to test airplanes okay. um to avoid bird strike if you don't know what a bird strike is basically when an airplane is taking off or landing sometimes they get in the way of flocks of birds isn't that what took down captain Sullivan? yes yes uh yeah, yeah in the geese movie. yes yes it's called a bird strike and so okay. in order to prepare for a bird strike in the air they had to prepare for a bird strike on the ground, and they built this chicken gun. Uh, they put frozen chickens into like a pipe, and they fired the frozen chickens. Wouldn't at you the have loved to be that engineer? Would have loved to go to the store and say, "Give me all the chickens you got," because <laughs> my boss just sent me here, and he built a chicken gun. You know, that was some intern that was like, right? "All right, yeah, yes, I'm, in, yes. I'm in it. I can't wait to buy a hundred chickens." Right. But the, the the way that I the way that I put it is like, if I can if I can test it on the ground, right, then I can trust it in the air. Right. And so at one level I'm being tested, but at the next level I'll be trusted. Okay. So let's talk really practical. So yep. the idea of it is, is you don't wait for you to be elevated to go, oh, now I can deal with situations. Right. right. So how do we learn to be tested on the ground floor? Well, it's another thing. You have to appreciate your season of testing. That's really right? good. Instead of saying, why is this happening to me? Right. Instead of saying, what did I do wrong? Why is all this happening to me? Instead, we say, what can I learn from this that will help me be trusted in the next season? So if you're being tested right now, it's because I believe you're being prepared to be trusted in the future. I think of so many of the things that I'm doing right now are the result of years of testing. You know, I, I'm not paid for what I do right now. I'm paid for the years that I got tested right, years ago. Right. But when I was in those seasons, I didn't recognize that's it. That's right. That's right. So how do we recognize it in those seasons? Like, okay, what I'm doing now is going to pay off in the future. Yeah, I think we have to appreciate it first yeah. and not go hide, not run from the test. A lot right. of times we want to try to avoid the testing seasons. Yep. But when you avoid them, you're just delaying your promotion. You're delaying your education, right? If you're, you're going to learn something in the testing, it's because you're going to get to a future place, another place where you're going to need that learning experience so people can trust you. It's almost like with finance. You don't ever take uh, you know, investments or right. uh, stocks or anything like that. You don't want someone managing your portfolio no. that hasn't been tested on how to manage a portfolio. Right. And so I'm, I'm looking to you and saying, hey, I'm going to give you money and I want you to put it where you have tested out the market in, in, your, in the past. Right. The more I've tested the market, the more I'm trusted with. And I gain so an experience, good. I gain uh, credibility, right. and I gain this uh, notion that people will trust me because I've been tested. I mean, no one follows a leader that hasn't been tested. No, I don't want a heart surgeon that has some good ideas yes. 
of how you can perform Please heart surgery. Please don't make me the first surgery. No, right? no, no. I don't want that. But we do that so many times in leadership. We like, do. Hey, trust me. No, no, no. What have you been through? Right. I tell people all the time that are uh, raised, being raised up to do something in ministry or leadership. And they're like, oh, you know, I'm studying this stuff in school. And I said, it's awesome. Yes. But when you get a job interview, nobody's going to ask you, what were right. your grades like? Right, right. They're going to ask, what have you done? Right. What have you been through? What Tell, have you built? Right. What have you built? Yes. Like, let's, let's see the tangibles. Yes. Okay. So we understand trust is so crucial. How do we establish trust, you know, in uh, our environment? There's leaders out there today. Maybe they've, they've lacked, their, their employees don't trust them. Right. How can they start establishing trust? Well, I think we learn to delegate responsibility and not just task. Okay. So instead of saying, hey, go do this. We say, hey, I'm trusting you to do this. That's and, a great and, and, point. And that way, I feel more empowered. Right. So if you're my boss and you just say, hey, I want you to set the chairs up this way, or I want you to open the store at this time and do it exactly this way, it's not really showing much trust. You're actually shortening the leash. Right. But when you extend that leash of trust and you're saying, hey, you're going to be responsible, and I'm not just going to delegate you a task. I'm going to empower you with the responsibility. That person feels trusted. And I think if you can create a feeling of trust in your organization, small business, church plant, mega church, if people feel trusted, then meetings are shorter. That's so good. And people work harder. Yes. It's when there's a lack of trust when there needs to be so much red tape and so many loopholes. I've realized that the the longer the meeting, the less trust there is in the, that department. That is gold right there. Because a lot of people are evaluating their meetings and like, they're so long. And the foundational issue Nobody is Nobody trusts anybody. They don't trust them. So, yeah. so you're having to run through every single detail. Right. You're having to run through, you know, dot every T and cross every I. But when there's trust, you say, hey, go do, you know, go be responsible for this or go build this. And in a moment, they can feel empowered and get it done. That's at a high trust environment. That's a high trust culture. And when you have that, the speed of your organization is so much faster. The higher the trust, the faster you can go. That is brilliant. The higher the trust, the faster you can go. Yes. I think of so many of our issues come down to the simple fact that we're judging their motives. Right. We don't believe they can do it. We've policied out the whole thing yes. where you have to sign off on every single step because yeah. you, because one person 10 years ago did something wrong. Right. For 10 years, the organization has uh, kind of hammered down on no more trust. We have to know everything that's going on. Right. When there's high trust, meetings happen in the halls instead of in the boardroom. That is right? so brilliant, I can, If I trust you, right. I don't need to have a meeting with you because I know if I just mentioned to you in passing, you're, you're empowered to do that. So we've had to establish this in the church. One of the easy ways that we did it, and uh, we could talk about it for just a little bit, was on decisions that you don't have to make. Uh, we say this phrase, when people ask me, I say the phrase, well, you decide. Right. Because just throw it in their court. Right. So if, if I don't have to make the decision, I won't make the decision, right. and it establishes trust. Right. I always say, what would you do? What would you? Well, that's a great phrase yeah. right there. What would you do? Right. Well, now that you put it back in my court, I would probably do this. And they feel empowered. Okay. Now, what if they're on a team, and they genuinely look at that team and go, I don't know if I can trust them. Yeah. How do we establish and build trust yeah. within their teams? I, I think trust has to happen off the clock. Okay. I think that that's the... the uh, bowling night or the top golf or the dinners or the, uh, the fun time. Like if you create, what a, a great phrase, 
Trust us to be done off the clock. It's got to so be off good. the clock. Right, because if we go in to do a job, right. it's kind of hard to, to sidebar trust. Yep. But if I show up to your kid's birthday party or we go to this football game right. together, we're establishing trust. I know that for guys, a lot of guys, we love to like uh, sweat together. They say right. if they sweat together, they get together. That's yep. working out or going to do an activity. And what happens is you begin to um, just establish a a real strong level of trust. A meal together really does that a lot. Those kind of things break the mold of the nine to five structure. And you see someone outside. For me, I love golfing with guys that really don't golf very often because it's four hours of watching them struggle through something. But yeah, it that's why you go golf with yeah, me. That's yeah, right. that's, <laughs> that's why right. you're with me. It's very enjoyable to watch you Thank golf. You. So it's, I'm really bad, <laughs> but it, it establishes trust because you're you're going to be there for 18 holes and. 90 shots, 100 shots. Yep. So every single time you're just learning their how they how they act, you're learning their behaviors, their attitudes, yep. and it helps establish trust. There is some times where we have, as our team, where I've realized trust has been lacking, and it's where we've just had to have a meeting about that. Like, let's just throw it all on the line. Yep. What is the unspoken thing right. that is the elephant in the room? Right. The come-to-Jesus meeting. You right. have to have a come-to-Jesus meeting sometimes. Right. Right. And, right. and I realized from that we can get to the root issue of yes. you actually said this one thing that hurt me. When, right. Like that is the leader's responsibility that to is cultivate trust within their team. Yes. Super crucial. Now, absolutely. Um, all right. The importance of not losing the trust of your yeah. team. Okay. The leaders, we've all known this, especially in the church world. Absolutely. Where <laughs> leaders have built great things as soon as trust goes. Yep. It's gone. You can build something for a lifetime and lose trust in a moment. It's so crazy. So you could work your whole life character, integrity, trust, right. a bucket full. And in one instant, it can spill with one mistake. And the the culture is not very friendly towards losing no, trust. No, we're in cancel culture. As soon yes. as you do something dumb, you're yes, out. Absolutely. Uh, what are some things that we just need to make sure we don't do as well, leaders? I think that it's, I mean, obviously we have to live a life of character and integrity right. in all things. Yep. When people are looking and when people aren't. The celebrity culture that might come from this online persona, yep. if that's not what they find in person, if your persona is not who you are in person, your trust goes immediately. Well, I thought that they were that, and right. then I met them in person, and they were a jerk, or they were totally right. not what I expected. That broken promise of your online persona and your in-person personality, that is going to breach trust in a moment. So we have to make sure that who we are is who we are at all times. I think that's very important. Well, I think we need to start from a level of knowing there's already a gap between the fact that people are automatically going to distrust yes. leaders. Yes. So you're a pastor, you're a it's manager. It's an uphill a, battle. It's an uphill battle from the start. Yes. So just don't give them any more ammo. Correct. So if you say something, you do it. You're the same person off yes. as you are behind the scenes. I think you need to really communicate with authenticity. You need to communicate expectations clearly. Right. Uh, surprises Anything that surprises people really breaches trust. So yeah. if you storm into the office and everyone thought everything was fine yeah. and all of a sudden yeah, yeah. they're they're thrown off by something that you saw that no one else did and you didn't lead them into that and you came in kind of um, raging or you right. got triggered, you know, it's almost like you lose trust with the people that you lead because they're surprised or you, you act um, kind of like unexpectedly angry all of a sudden. Right. And I can't trust you because I don't know 
I can't, I'm not, I'm not confident in your attitude. Well, I don't know what version of you I'm getting today. Right. Exactly. And that's not a great leader to follow. No, it's very hard to trust that. Right. So, okay. Now my job is predicated on your attitude and on how you feel. And now I I don't, I can't trust him. And I mean, I've fallen into this trap. Right. My staff confessed to me uh, that they had a name for me when I came in angry into the office. That's harsh. And so they called, they, they call me pastor Mike, but whenever I was having an off day, this is you know, pre-trust conversion. Sure. They, they call me Miguel, which is my name in Spanish. And so they say, hey, Miguel is in the office, which basically meant stay out of his way because that is funny. He's, on, he's on a roll. And so I have to be careful as the senior leader to make sure that they know that their job is safe, even right. when there's a mistake right. that's made, and that I'm going to be level-headed at all times because I trust them. And if I said I trusted them, then I need to trust. they need to be able to trust that my response is going to be level-headed and professional, and they won't have to be scared of Miguel coming into the office. Miguel, <laughs> that is really funny. What, uh, obviously, the subject of integrity is so huge, yeah. right? I mean, it's such a major thing, and moral failures. We were talking about pastors oh, in yeah. the car today where, you know, their whole reputation, everything. Gone. It's gone in gone. a matter of moments. Yes. You know, how do we guard ourselves in this kind of world? I mean, obviously yeah. not just as as spiritual leaders, but right. as dads yeah. and spouses For sure. and Christians. Yeah. Like, how do we guard ourselves yeah. to be people that are trusted leaders? I think we have to make sure we're chasing the right thing, right? right. If we're chasing celebrity status, it's right. going to come with a lot of mess, you know. I think we need to live simply. If we can try our best to live as simple as possible. Simple you know? living is so crucial. It's like I don't need to go uh, to every single party I get invited to. Yep. I don't need to be on everyone's um, Instagram posts, you know. Right. Uh, if I can make sure that my kids love the Lord, that my home is full of yep. love and joy and peace, and if I can make sure that what I'm responsible for is covered, then I'm not going to be distracted yep. by other opportunities that are not of God. I also think that there's a blessing that comes with accountability and this isn't just like um surface accountability or bylaw accountability that's in your you know the board on your nonprofit or at your church but i'm talking about a real friendship where when someone pops the hood of your soul they really get a good look at what's inside and they say oh man you know i messed up or i'm torn or i have a big decision and i might have slipped up there someone that could call you out for that is so important i think you serve as that in my life yep. we have a couple of the friends that we know that we can call that aren't inside our organization but they know the mess and they can look under the hood of our souls and say man uh we know we love you regardless and we're going to help you fix that because it can be gone in a moment if it's not kept in check absolutely it can be gone in a moment and we've seen it go in a moment it does where people have built incredible things and not just in the christian church world i mean we're talking about in the political world in uh, business world character and integrity is yes. everything yes and how how you leave is way more important than how you enter absolutely and if we've learned anything about that during this season we would yep. know that how you leave uh, will really determine your legacy you only get your report card at the end of the semester you don't show up to school and wow. they hand you your grades they don't say hey here's your a plus right right you have to go through the how you come into school yep. is not nearly as important as how you leave it and they don't give the valid Victorian uh, certificate to the people who showed up at the beginning. Right. Those who stuck it out and had good grades at the end. So character and integrity and trust are really cultivated throughout the entire season of wherever you are at. So, you know, the encouragement for leaders that are listening today, it's simply this, that this is so rare in our society that if you do it, you're, you're going to stand out. Yes. Because there's so few leaders that people can trust. That's right. 
and to just be the real deal. I think right. people want a authentic leader more than they want a perfect leader. Yes. There is no perfect leader That's other right. than Jesus, obviously. Right. And the authentic authenticity, you know, that we have struggles. We are humans. Yes. Um, I think when people get unapproachable, lack Dude, of dangerous. It's dangerous. Yes. Lack of accountability, lack of friends in their life. Right. Every story I hear of people who have fallen morally, their marriage has fallen apart. It's always they got, you know, they were out of touch with they believed a lot of the press about their lives that they That's were better right. than they, they were really chasing were. something that they were just... their validation was in followers and all right. this kind of stuff right right i think that so many of that is just like having people in your life that can ask you a question like do you really you really need that right do you really care right. that much do, right are you really after it for that reason yeah you we... want to make more money really because right. you want to give it away right really right, right. or do you want do you want a nicer car. We or, started asking this question around the staff, and it's been super helpful. Instead of how are you doing or how are you feeling, we ask, how's your heart? It's very good. And so when you go to how's your heart, there is no fine. There is no good. Yeah. There is no it's okay. You, when, you, when someone asks you about the condition of your heart, you can then begin to really um, explain what's going on on the inside. And when we shifted that language, it changed our whole staff culture because— uh, I've not only been entrusted with their with their employment, I'm now being entrusted with their hearts as a leader. So good. And so when I ask, how's your heart? It really builds trust because they're saying, man, he he's asking me right. challenging questions, but challenging questions that reveal that he cares for me. All right, last group that is listening to this are going, where was this six months ago? I was a trusted leader. I have broken trust. Mm-hmm. Okay, how would we tell people to get on back on the, the path towards being a leader that's trusted. Yeah, I mean, I think it, some of that stuff just comes through time, but I think humility is Humility is, huge. is so like, crucial. Not coming in and saying, I know I broke your trust, but trust me again. It's yeah, like it doesn't work. chanting or writing a memo, hey, I'm back on the trust train. Right. It doesn't work that way. Right. What you need to do is just submit yourself. To, what we would do is submit ourselves to the Lord, but yep. submit yourself to a process if you're a leader and say, all right, I'm going to regain the trust of one person at a time. Yep. And so I'm not going to regain the trust of the whole organization at once if I've lost it, but I can maybe recover that relationship with right. a coffee. I can I can redeem that relationship with another meeting. I should apologize about that one thing that right. I did. I should start asking, how's your heart to these people? And eventually, what gets modeled and what gets, what gets done will eventually overflow into the whole organization. You know, I've realized that when trust is high in the organization, I have to explain myself a lot less. Yes. But when trust is very low, I have to over-explain. Yeah, there's more questions. Over-communicate. You know, when you break uh, trust with your spouse, if someone's committed an affair or there's some issue, you have to go to the other side of over-communicating. Yes. So there's probably some leaders... That you've gone, well, you know, they should know my heart that I'm doing it. Well, they don't know your heart. Right. They've only seen your bad actions. Right, right. So maybe go through a season where you're communicating a little bit more than you would. Yes. Tell them how you've got their back. I love how you started this thing. Tell about how you trust them. You're right. sold on them. Yes. When you give out trust. Yes. It then comes it, back yes, towards you. Yeah. And, I can see it too. You know, uh, it's probably going to take longer than you expect. Yeah. Yeah. Always. We always think, you know as married as husbands you know yep. married people we think well, we apologize that the argument is over done but we know that for for our spouse a lot of times there's a delayed effect of yep. our apology yep. even if it's genuine right. it's on their time right. so i would say trust is the same way you yep. know even if you're ready to be trusted again it's going to take them a little bit more time than maybe you expect all right any closing thoughts that you have for some of the leaders 
that are Man, with I, us. I'm just honored to be here. Grateful for you. Grateful for the impact you're having, not just in Tampa Bay, but all around the world. Grateful for the impact you've had on my church. That's I've had you come in and preach, and it, it's it's always a gift. You are a gift from you're God to, to, to me. That. So I'm I'm serious. I'm not all even right, joking. All right, where, where do you think the world's heading with the COVID world? What Man, think? I think that we are going to see probably, man, I don't want to be a prophet here, but... Um, Those haven't worked out too well this no, last year. <laughs> I, I'm not a prophet. I'm not predicting anything. This is just what I think is going to happen. Okay. I think people are going to be hungry for the real yep. and tired of the screen. They're going to be tired of the scroll. They're going to be tired yep. of the virtual version of whatever they were doing. Yep. Right. That doesn't just apply to churches, but schools and businesses and everything else. I think they're going to want to sit down in a restaurant again. I think they're going to want to work out without a mask again. So I do think that we will see an uptick in our desire to be together at concerts and things like that again. It might look a little different from now on, but I do think that I don't think all is lost. I don't think we're going to be a like a in a cave as people for the rest of our lives. But there will be some changes. There's some changes. The world has survived things in the past. Yeah, it'll keep going. Yeah, Thanks. I do think digital is more important than ever. Right? Like ever. If you're, you know, I saw so many churches in our space. Churches jump to online giving during COVID, and I'm thinking to myself, man, where were you at ten years ago? That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just started Facebook living with their, you know, right. iPod touch. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, you got to upgrade that camera. So I do think that that's going to be like, that's not going away. Right. You're not going to be able to put the camera down no. and go back to church without a camera. But it helped the church move forward years. Immensely. We probably accelerated the church by 10 to 12 years. Who knows? It may be even faster than that. But we yep. saw an extreme acceleration with this disruption. It was a big disruption. All right. How can people get a hold of you? Um, it's just at Mike Santiago on Instagram. That's He's got great thing. quality content. He's a great preacher. He's a great leader. At Mike Santiago. Yeah. He's an incredible leader. Thank you, Mike, for being here. Thank Listen, you. if you like this podcast, make sure you let us know. Do me a favor. Make sure you share it with your friends. Make sure you subscribe so you're the first one. We release these the first Wednesday of every month. I've been trying to release two because you guys asked for it. So I'm going to keep doing it. And I love you guys. Glad we're part of this Made for More family. We'll see you next month on the next episode.